0: Hello, my name is Deborah Hamilton and welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This podcast seeks to define and explain this important question from multiple points of view and disciplines. We will interview owners, breeders, caregivers, defenders, advocates, champions, and educators. The mission of this podcast is to seek and foster collaborative conversations so that every point of view feels heard, acknowledged, and appreciated. I look forward to your joining us on this journey toward a better understanding of similar and divergent points of view. It is possible to have an impossible conversation. It starts with listening first. I'm so glad you're here listening in with me. Now let's get started. Today we are fortunate enough to speak with David Fry, the dog guy. David and I are longtime friends and he has been referred to as the John Madden of the dog show world. He has so many interests that show how pets matter to him and to others in this world. He is currently the voice of the National Dog Show that you might watch on Thanksgiving and the Beverly Hills Dog Show that you might watch at Easter. Also, he is heavily involved with therapy dogs and has a program every November with the National Dog Show that introduces and educates people on the value of therapy dogs, how to become a therapy dog, and what a therapy dog actually is. So without further ado, I would love to introduce you to my friend, and one of the people who really make pets matter, David Fry. Hi, David. How are you?
1: Hi, Deborah. I'm great. Thanks for having me on and thanks for letting me be a part of of uh, giving this message out to people and it's very important for people to understand and, and include our pets in our lives. So I'm happy to be here.
0: Pets really matter to you. so. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into pets in general because I think you told me before that you didn't have a pet growing up.
1: We didn't really have any any pets and, and it was kind of fun because I, I moved into my own house in college for the first time and my girlfriend said, let's get a dog and I said, well, okay, you know, you guy will do anything for his girlfriend when he's 20 years old. And uh, I said, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to get? She said, let's get an Afghan hound. I said, what the hell is that? (laughs) I had no idea. And uh, we got the dog and three weeks later the girl left and the dog stayed and it was the best thing that could have happened probably to all three of us. So that's what got me started in the dog world. I met other people eventually with Afghan hounds got involved in the dog show world. I had some success and that's what ultimately brought me to Westminster and and, uh, all the great things that I've been allowed and blessed to do with dogs and advocating for dogs in our lives.
0: Well, that is quite a story. I don't have that interesting a story. I did have dogs growing up, uh, but it's interesting that You were the voice of Westminster for 27 years before you um, became involved with the National Dog Show and the Beverly Hills Dog Show. And it's interesting that these things have brought you national acclaim because you've brought purebred dog ownership and performance and confirmation to a greater audience so people understand the value of purebred dogs preservationist breeders, you know, purposeful bred dogs. You really do bring it to um, the greater public square, so to speak, how purebred dogs do a job and how they serve um, their their owners and the public. Tell us a little bit more about um, your connection to purebred dogs from the beginning. And then I know you started with Afghans, but you started to show and then you really made it matter and explain to people why purebred dogs are so important?
1: Well you know I've always felt the pressure of kind of telling our story to the general public. There's millions of people watch Westminster and, and 25 million people, uh, unbelievable number, watch the National Dog Show on Thanksgiving Day on NBC. So um, I have a lot of opportunities but along the way it can be something as simple as meeting somebody on the street because of your dog. My wife Sherry and I used to joke when we, when we lived in New York, we said, you know, we might not know anybody in New York if it wasn't for the dogs because that's how you meet everybody. People say, oh, what's your dog's name? And the next day they come up and say, oh, hi, Grace. Hi, Angel. And they look up at you sort of as an afterthought and say, how are you doing? And, uh, and, and we find out about everybody in their lives through our dogs. And it's just um, that's an easy way to begin the story. But our dogs do so much more for us. Um, we can make that happen in in planned programs and planned things with them, uh, with therapy dogs. Dogs don't have to be purebred to be therapy dogs. They just need to be uh, uh, lovable and likable and enjoy being around people. So um, I think that's a part of why we have have all these dogs in our lives.
0: Absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought that up because your association with the National Dog Show and Therapy Dogs is really important. And as you correctly pointed out, therapy dogs come in all shapes and sizes, breeds. Um, And so that's sort of the part of dog world that everyone can participate in. Tell us a little bit more because you do have um, at least one, but I think two therapy dogs, um, Angel and Grace, and you've written a book. And uh, this is something that is really near and dear to your heart. You've been doing it for years.
1: Well, I think the title of my book kind of sums up my feeling about what our dogs can do for us. It's called Angel on a Leash, which is, it talks about my adventures in the, in the uh, therapy dog world. But um, it, it also uh, is the name of my charity that we created in, in New York. Uh, and... It, it was a way for us to create programs and administer them in healthcare facilities uh, in New York and around the country, and uh, it's it's just such a joy that bring our dogs. Um, we talk about the purebred dog world. We talk about all the great things that purebred dogs do and were bred to do through the years. That that uh, you know we bred them to do jobs, and they, and they they had to do things for us. Whether it's a terrier protecting our home from rats or a sporting dog helping us hunt for food along with the hounds, um, working dogs, herding dogs, all these dogs in our lives. And, and through the years now, whether, whether it's because of the industrial revolution or whatever, our dogs don't get to do quite so much for us. We've got ATVs to herd our sheep and you know, we got even Amazon delivers groceries to you. Now you don't have to go hunting for your food too much, but, um, and so now we got to find a new job for these dogs. They're not living in our barns or in our backyards or in our garages anymore. They're living in our living room and in our kitchen. Mine live in the kitchen more often than not. Um, that's where the food so, is. So we, we, that's where the food is. They know that. They lead me there. If I'm not in the kitchen, they lead me there. But, um, but they're part of our family. And, and when we've seen all that, we intuitively have figured out that when we interact with a dog, we feel better. I mean, the dog comes into the room and the energy changes and they make me smile and make people smile and, and uh, you know, just make me generally feel better. And, and, and we've taken that into giving them a new job as therapy dogs. And, and they do a wonderful job at that because it's just in their nature. They're all the, all the traits, the character traits that they have in the personalities and the temperaments um, they're spontaneous. They're, they're unconditional love. We talk about all the time that they don't care what you look like or, how much money you make or where you live, um, they just want to be there with you, wagging their tail and uh, not asking any tough questions and and maybe greeting you when you come home too. It's part of that as well. So um, I think we've found a great job for our dogs, and it doesn't matter what you look, what the dog looks like or what it was bred to do, if if it was if it has the right temperament and personality, let's put it to work and share it with other people and help their lives get better.
0: Absolutely, and and I think that putting them to work is. Um, sort of a misidentification because I'm sure that Angel and Grace love what they do and I know that most of my friends who have therapy dogs really are incredibly tuned in to how their dogs are having a good day a bad day so it's you know pets matter in that range too because not only do they come and help at the hospital but we're really and I know you are very conscious of the stress levels for the dogs, so that they are kept safe and really matter in in their own right as well as in um, the therapy right, helping people recover. Um, could you talk a little bit more about the therapy programs that you are involved with and how the training gets done? So people who are on the podcast, if they're thinking about becoming a therapy dog, because we both know there aren't enough of them, um, if you're begin if you're thinking about having a therapy dog, where's the best place to start?
1: Well, I think you have to do a, a real personal evaluation of your dog, but you also need to evaluate yourself. If, if it's not fun for you to go visiting people, uh, then it, it, your, your dog's going to know that, that you're not having a good time. My dog knows when I'm, when I'm having a great time or not. So you have to make that first, first determination that everybody's going to be happy about it. And it's pretty easy with the dogs, you know, because they're always looking forward to an adventure. I, I always laugh about. I had a, one of my partners um, on on West the Westminster Telecast one year. We had a great shot of a dog's face in our screen, and and uh, and, Sherry, and, and Mary Carrillo says to me, "Look at that! She says, don't you wish they could talk?" And and I know that you understand this, but I said, "No, I don't. I, I don't need them to talk. I don't want them to talk." And besides that. I know what they would say. They would say, Me too, me too, because they always want to go wherever we're going and do whatever we're doing. And I think that's the the great fun of that. I love the fact that my dogs look at look at me when I'm talking to them like I'm some kind of a genius. You know, Wow, I never thought of that and their tails wagging and looking at me and I, mean, I you know, could be saying something stupid, but doesn't matter. My dogs respect me. I don't always get that respect everywhere in my life from people thinking I'm, I'm so bright and talented, but, but my dogs think I'm a genius, not just because I know how to use the can opener or open the refrigerator, but it's just part of being there for me every day and greeting me when I come home from somewhere. And, And uh, if they haven't gone with me, but usually they go with me. And, and I think that's, you know, they live their life in the moment. I think, and that's what makes them such great therapy dogs, because a lot of the people that they visit in healthcare facilities or on the streets, even um, are people who are living their life in the moment too, whether they're battling some, some illness or some or or a tough challenge to their life. If they're living on the street, uh, sleeping on cardboard, Um, the dogs can, can always relate to them and, and uh, and help us touch people, and it's it's pretty special, pretty special. I think great therapy dogs are born, not made. And the training process that we talked about uh, really goes to the human partner of the team. It's a team. It's a dog, the dog and the human. And um, the tra- our training process with Angel on a leash and other therapy dog programs around the country is really aimed more at the person than it is the dog. And that uh, we train the person to protect the dog because sometimes you're going to put the dog into a situation that, that the dog's going to look to you for some, some kind of cue and guidance as to what they should do next. And you don't want them stepping in somebody's sutures or getting tangled up in their IV tubes or things like that. So we uh, getting stepped on or rolled over by a wheelchair. And it's your job to protect the dog and, and keep them going. I was on the Today Show a few years ago with Meredith Vieira. That's how long ago it was. And, um, and she was doing a piece on Angel on a said what do you think about when you're there with your dog and visiting I said here's what I think about stay out of their way let the dog do their thing you've got to keep them from from uh, from doing any anything that could be harmful to a patient in a in a hospital bed for example um, you got to make sure that somebody in the wheelchair doesn't enthusiastically run over them with the wheelchair but Basically, the dog can do their thing. You protect them. Um, you're changing people's lives just by being there. And, and uh, people say to me, "Jesus, I see all these pictures of your dog doing these things, and I don't see you in the picture. I said, it's, I said I'm said i there. I'm holding the leash. You can't see me, but it's not about me. It's about the dog and the patient and whoever they're interacting with. So we love to do those things. You know, we just, we can make people smile. That's half the battle. Um, but we did a lot of visits at the Ronald McDonald House in New York City. We were the first dogs ever allowed in there. Um, and, and when you make those kids smile, you're making the parents smile, too. Those kids are there in New York City. They're there because they're there to fight some cancer battles. And, and uh, Bill Sullivan, the CEO there, became a great friend of mine, says, when a child is sick, the parents are sick. And that's true. And, and, and by extension, then, if I get the kid to smile, I get the parents to smile. And it's provided a moment. It, and that may be all they have. It provides them with a moment of of, uh, of something that they haven't had for a while as they fight their battles. But anyway, there's lots of great things that happen with these dogs and because of these dogs. And and uh, whether it's kids or seniors or, or anybody in between, um, they're doing great things every moment that they're out there in that mission.
0: Well, I love that because Why Pets Matter not only speaks to how they matter to you but how they can matter to other people and make such an impact on lives especially these therapy dogs who are um, trained and their handlers are trained um, to really respect the boundaries they need to respect between themselves and and the patient but also enabling the patients to experience this joy Um, when things are looking pretty grim, and not only the patients, as you pointed out, but in the case of children at Ronald McDonald House, the parents as well, which I think is huge.
1: Yeah, or seniors. Grace and I, my Brittany, we would visit the the VA hospital in New York City every Wednesday, faithfully, at 11 o'clock. Grace and I would leave the Westminster office on lunch hour, maybe two hours, and visit patients at the VA hospital. Now, a lot of those patients are there Um, they're mostly men. Um, if they weren't living in the hospital, they'd probably be living on the street. A lot of them. And they're my demographic. They're my age group. They're guys. And I'm a veteran like they are. So it was a great starting point for us, but just having the dog there, uh, gets them to talk, you know, maybe they haven't had much to talk about or anybody to talk to for a while. and, And to be there, with the dog and get them to, to, to talk. I, the nurses once sent me to a guy, I said, go see this guy. He's a Vietnam veteran, and he, I'm sure he'd love to see your dog. So we go in with Grace, and, uh, and he, the guy lights up. He smiles, and he, and he starts to tell me stories. Not only was he a Vietnam veteran, as it turns out, unbeknownst to the nurses, he was a dog handler in Vietnam. So now he's smiling and telling me all these great stories about his dog, his dog's through the years, and how they saved his life several times. And, and he's talking about them with a smile, but it, but it was sort of mixed in with some sadness because he had lost one of them there. But still, um, to get him to, to, to be able to talk about something and smile that maybe he hasn't been able to do either of those things for a while, but we try to get them to think about something other than their challenges, and maybe give them a lucid moment or two when they're thinking about something in their past that they haven't had. We had a veteran that we visited Um, that that we had a TV crew following us one day and and I came to a room and I said, I don't recognize this guy. I said, can we go in there? And the nurse says, Oh no, we can't visit him. He's almost 90. He's in the early stages of dementia. When you walk into his room, he gets upset and starts yelling and speaks in gibberish. You can't communicate with him anyway. I said, well, sounds like exactly the kind of guy we should go visit. So uh, I go in there with grace, hold her up to him. And he looks at us and smiles puts his hands on either side of her of her face and draws her down to him and starts talking to her and to me in gibberish as we were told and i answer i'd say yeah that's right her name is grace she comes here every week um and he says something else in gibberish i said that's right she is beautiful isn't she and i look over at the nurse and the nurse is crying because she's never seen this guy have any kind of reaction other than being upset so um, you know, whether it's that kind of specific case. But most of the time, if we just get them to smile and think about something other than what they're going through, um, that's great.
0: And that's really why pets matter. And you, being, as the New Yorker referred to you, the most famous human in the world of dogs, you've really crossed over, um, or better said, you have matriculated through, around, and in every <laughs> venue of animals purebred, mixed breed, therapy, um, agility, you name it. I mean, you and I have been together at various events for um, the iOhio group, which explores human-animal bond, um, for blog pause that talks about, has blogs about animals everywhere. So you have really been able to be that human in the world of dogs in such a broad scope. Tell us a little bit about, you know, just to close us out, tell us a little bit about why you think that was your calling.
1: Well, you know, when I started doing the dog show in 1990, it was to talk about purebred dogs and talk about the dog show and the competition. And through the years, um, I started to talk about what our dogs mean to us. And, 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 And that kind of led me into the therapy dog world and talking about all the great things that our dogs do for us every single day
0: because of your connection with all sorts of animal venues (laughs) blog um, pause iohio human animal bond uh, blog pause where everyone writes about their animals or different kinds of animals how have you been able really to make pets matter um, and they do matter across every line and be part of such a large group of Um, pet lovers pet owners pet advocates you know things that really should um, at the beginning maybe it was purebred dogs but now it's really a matriculation of all dogs and how did that occur in your in your lifespan as um, the human in the world of dogs
1: (laughs) well you know in 1990 when Chet Collier and the guys at Westminster asked me to do their television I thought, and and then liked the audition, I thought, well, this will be fun for a few years. Let's see what happens. And it turns into 27 years. But what what it did along the way, when it started as talking about the dog show and the competition and purebred dogs, it became more talking about having a celebration of the dogs in our lives for all dogs. And the people who were watching our show um, were not necessarily into dog shows. They were into dogs. And so that kind of moved us along, and we got involved more and more with the therapy dogs. And we started to, to learn and talk about things that the, 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 dogs, the dogs do for us. I think anybody who's involved with a dog knows intuitively that when you interact with a dog, you feel better. Makes you smile. Well, after a while, the science now was starting to catch up with us and show that here's what happens. When you interact with a dog, the reason you feel better is because your blood pressure goes down. Your heart rate goes down. Your respiratory rate goes down. You, you've got an increased flow of of the good hormones, the endorphins that make you feel better. And and that's the, the science c- catches up. And now the people involved with the medical facilities and those other kinds of uh, healthcare organizations are inviting you to come because they see the good things that happen when the dogs are interacting with the people. So um, with Westminster, I was blessed to have a platform to move on those things and to be able to get places. i go somewhere to talk about uh, Uno, our best in show dog, the Beagle, the famous Beagle, for example. And not only am I talking about Uno and his personality, and temperament, but, but now he's become a, a, a celebrity therapy dog in a sense, because wherever he goes, people are into him. But, but we made him a, a formally an official therapy dog, and he started visiting facilities with me around the country. And, and that raised a whole new awareness about what you can do. Your dog doesn't need to be Uno. Your dog doesn't need to win Best in Show at Westminster or be on television in the groups to be, to have an effect on people in their lives. And and when people came came up to me and said, you know, I saw I saw um, I saw the Clumber Spaniel go Best in Show at Westminster, and it made me go out and get a Clumber Spaniel. And I love my dog, and he's done so much for me in my life. And so now we have that opportunity. Um, got somebody else involved with dogs not show dogs but you know it's it's just one of those deals where um i had a patient one time that hadn't talked hadn't talked for months and part of it was physical because he'd been through a surgery but part of it was because um he just hadn't talked so we took a therapy dog into him and and took the dog out of the room after interacting with him and he waves he waves my buddy back in with him to him uh, and he says, I don't know what this guy wants. He doesn't, he can't talk. He's never said anything to anybody. And he waves him down to his face and he says something to him. And, and, and he like t- my friend, Tom lights up, he comes back on. me. I said, what did he say? I said, he didn't say, where's my wife. He didn't say, can I have some water? Can I get some pain pill? He said more dog. So right then I almost changed the name of angel on a leash to more dog. And and but that's the effect that's the effect they have and the things that they do for people get them to smile and think about things that maybe they haven't had a chance to to deal with.
0: And that is such a great way to end. Why do pets matter? Because as you have so eloquently put, whether it's a show dog or a adopted dog. Um, Every dog matters to every person and choice is really what you're talking about as well you know you can have a choice of whatever animal you want and that's where um, education, responsibility, you've talked about it here on Reading your dog, understanding your dog, and knowing—I loved it when you said, as a therapy handler, you need to know what to do best. You need to be trained. The dogs come by it pretty much naturally, and if they don't, you should respect that as well. So, David, any last thoughts about what or why pets matter um, in the grander scheme? So, in 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 our in our day-to-day lives, absolutely, and then in the world, because I really think that this podcast talks about how pets matter to us in the greater world. And there's so many different opinions, but a general idea to close us out would be fabulous.
1: Well, the general idea is that we have this emotional and spiritual connection to our animals. They're such a part of our lives. And it even goes back to a Bible verse uh, from Ecclesiasticus that says a faithful friend is the medicine of life. And that's, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I'm telling you Ecclesiasticus had the dog because for him to know that and understand that about uh, what our faithful friends can do to us, for us and to us, and with um, us. I think is really what it's all about. And with us, <laughs> it's really what, what our dogs are all about. They're, um, they're just spontaneous and non judgmental and they wanna be there every step of the way with us and we wanna take them with us and we are better people when we have our dogs with us and, and get the opportunity to share them with others.
0: David, tell us a little bit more about um, the National Dog Show Therapy Program because I I believe there's a very big training going on um, that will continue into the future in sort of mid-November. Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Well, you know, for the past several years, we've had our own therapy dog ambassador team as part of the National Dog Show, which is a nice way for us to, to, uh, to merge the interests, so to speak. And, And they go places with us and go to our events and also are, of course, very busy in the community visiting like the Ronald McDonald house in Philadelphia and doing things like that. But um, you'll get to see and hear a lot of those things with our show on Thanksgiving day, but also um, for the first time this year, we are doing a symposium, the national dog show therapy dog symposium um, in mid November uh, at Rowan University, and uh, in New Jersey, and and uh, it's a way for people to come and learn about uh, learn about the therapy dog world, but also to learn about uh, new ideas and and how best to use your dogs to, to to help other people. So we're doing lots of things, and I think it's it's nice that we're able to put our money where our mouth is, so to speak, because while we're promoting purebred dogs. We really are promoting all dogs and celebrating all the dogs in our lives, and this is a way for us to show that.
0: Well, that's really an incredible program that people can take, anyone can take advantage of. So at the end of this podcast, I'll put a link. If you're interested in joining the National Dog Show Therapy Dog Program, it will be every year, sort of mid-November, but the link will always be up, and the recent link will always be up on my podcast.
1: Great we want the world to come and join us with Perfect. their
0: dog. David, as always, thank you so very much. Um this is Deborah Hamilton and you're listening to Why Do Pets Matter podcast. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter. This is Deborah Hamilton and this podcast is my passion. Do you have a great guest or idea for a topic you'd like me to explore? Go to my website And click Contact at Hamilton Law and Mediation. That's Hamilton Law, L A W N A N D, Mediation, M E D I A T I O N dot com. Until next week, our pets do matter. This is Deborah Hamilton, thanking you for being here.